I love you. All right, guys. Welcome back to Naked Sunday. I am your host, Leb, and I am here welcoming you to, or inviting you to free yourself, right? Our lovely new tagline for this. Jay is gone this week, and I have the distinct pleasure, I feel very fortunate for this moment right now, to actually invite my mother on to this episode, our very first guest on the podcast, uh, which, mom, this is a high honor for you, and I thought it was very fitting to bring you on today. So first off, mom, but for everybody who doesn't know who my mother is, her name is Catherine Nelson, and uh, she has been the, the one responsible for uh, getting me to this place in my life. So mom, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation today. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about why this would be the fitting first guest, and especially in the theme of this first season, in that it's a lot about forgiveness. And I think forgiveness a lot comes down to just looking at our past and looking at why did we have any fallouts or do we go through things in our life? And a lot of it comes back to just like, where, what, like, how do we see ourselves and how did we form some of our uh, relationships from the get-go? And I think, of course, the most important relationship we ever form is that with our, our immediate family, right? Our, our mother, right? It's the first relationship we ever do truly have. And, um, you know, for people who don't know us, um, you know, I think over the past, really over the past year, I've, I feel like you and I have really built our relationships, which is something that I'm incredibly grateful for, whether you knew that or not. Um, I've also had the distinct pleasure of actually coaching you to some pretty amazing, I, and I take no responsibility for that. At the end of the day, you did a lot of hard work. You were getting a lot of compliments the other night, but you've just recently lost a ton of weight doing our, uh, some nutrition coaching with me. So I wanted to say congratulations. It's been actually very, very inspiring through a challenging time in my life as we're transitioning a lot of things on the business and everything like that. So I wanted to say thank you for that off the rip for being such a great inspiration, mom. Um, I want to dive in today and talk about like our relationship, right? We talked a little about the church and we brought about like how I, we brought up a little bit, Jason and I, but I wanted to dive in a little bit more of like, where did you come from? How did things come about? And what were, where we are now? Okay. So um, give us just a little bit of backstory. Like where'd you grow up and you know, how'd you end up in the States? Like you, you didn't, you weren't born in the United States. So start there. No, I guess you can hear from my accent. Um, I was born in France. I came to this country when I was 22. And I was studying English, so it made sense to come to America. And, um, and, but at the same time, I was searching. Um, while I was studying English, it didn't sound like this was like quite fulfilling enough. I was really searching for the meaning of my life and also for, um, for love, really. You know, like I'm trying to ask myself, like, am I even going to be loved? How am I going to love somebody? Can I ever have a family? I mean, this were like basic stuff. I don't have like big high dreams, you know. I mean, everybody says world peace, you know, but nobody thinks about world peace until they're happy themselves. <laughs> and um, so, <laughs> so honestly, I was just thinking like, I want to be happy. I want love. And then once you feel loved then you're happy, then you think like, oh, you know, oh, we need to fix this world kind of thing. So I was searching and uh, I came to uh, San Francisco. I met... Uh, members of Unification Church, and I, um, 
anyways, I stayed a little while and I stayed longer and it's been 40 years. And just decided to stay along for the ride, huh? That's right. That's right. <laughs> officially. And I, literally at first I thought I'll give it a try for a year. I thought I'll practice this, you know, because the, the teachings were very interesting. They're the first time that I heard some teachings about God that made sense. Okay. France is very Catholic. It's very dogmatic. Um, I was not raised religious at all. So this, whatever I was hearing made sense. And basically it boiled down to if God exists, I'd better figure out, you know, how to have a relationship with God. And I thought if it doesn't, then I can just go and do whatever. But th that, that was like the question I said, either it exists or it doesn't. And if it does, then I'd better do something about it. So I decided to stay and I decided to, um, to find out, to, to practice. What was that initial so you were saying earlier, like the initial, you know, before we got onto this, like you were discussing like your drive and you just discussed it there a little bit, like you were, there we go. Somebody's calling you see, you're finding, you're finding your connection right there. I'm sorry. It's Kathy. Let me, um, let me turn off my phone. I'm sorry. I haven't done it. It's all good. So you were just yeah, going, you were discussing before, you know, you were looking, you were searching. What yeah. was the fear that you had behind that? Well, because I had some failed relationships and I thought I might just be alone all my life, you know, and I didn't want to be alone. I'd been alone. Um, I did. And one time I went and spent a year in Germany. I was all alone there. I, I spent a lot of time really alone. And I, I was alone enough that I knew I didn't want to be alone. So I, that's what I was wondering. How on earth am I ever going to, you know, meet people that I'm can be comfortable with that I can be happy with you know my my hometown in France was not where I wanted to keep on living it's a small place didn't feel like they had any future so that was um, that was really my hope it's like you know how do I build relationships where I don't feel rejected by people so you had a lot of experience with feeling rejection like what was yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for bringing that back. 40 years of trying to forget it and bang, come back. <laughs> you know, I think that I think it's something that everybody struggles with. I, I, I myself am included. About a year ago, I read a book called Rejection Proof, uh, where I was struggling with my own fears of rejection in terms of being able to like inspire new people and be able to reach out and, and connect in a very similar way. Um, so were you like struggling beforehand like what like did you not feel like you were like the real version of yourself with people were you not as authentic as you wanted to be what was what was some of like the signs and symptoms of like i just don't feel right um i'm sorry say that again so what were some of the signs and symptoms of i'm not feeling right did you just like not feel comfortable in your own skin with people did you not know how to talk did you not what was it were you just like not like the true version of yourself what was it I don't know. I mean, like nowadays I look at all the teenagers, you know, like how they are, you know, desperately hoping for love and, you know, trying to look a certain way or whatever. I guess I was just like everybody else, you know, wondering like, who's going to love me? You know, what do I have to do for somebody to notice me, to love me and all that stuff. And then, uh, and then I was looking at some of my friends, they seem to have it all, you know, it's like 18 years old. Oh, I'm going to get married. No, not pregnant, you know, just getting married. Um, you know, some people seem to have it, like they, they seem to have it. And I seem to be just looking at other people having a life. So I was just wondering, you know, 
what does it take? What does it take to, to have a life that's fulfilling? You know, because I felt like my studies, whatever I was doing was, um, was, was not really my purpose. You know, and people, you know, when you're young, people say, what are you going to do when you grow up? You know, and then I didn't feel like saying, oh, I want to be a teacher or I want to do this. I want to do that. I didn't feel like that was my life's purpose. I was just searching. What was your purpose? I think that's is, is my purpose now. <laughs> I, through the dis discovery, like you knew what your, pur you knew what your purpose wasn't. What was your purpose? And hindsight is of course, 2020. Um, I really felt like I was born to be a mother. I mean, until I had children, I didn't feel like my life had any purpose. But once I started having children, I just felt like my life was fulfilled, you know, and, uh, you're welcome. Beyond that, like raising, but raising my children. Yeah, you were. Here you are. Um, raising my children to um, ra raising my children, you know, to to form a good family and what I would like to call ideal family. Um, th that seemed to be like um, my my goal, you know. To, that that was my purpose, you know. Once to help my children, like I feel like people need to grow up need, they need to learn to to grow up to be mature and then if you can help your children do that and and feel um i mean uh, what do you call it build a, a healthy family that the healthy family is really like the basis for healthy communities and eventually healthy world so i felt like that's really important for me to build a healthy family and you know spiritually not just physically and, uh, and to help other people, if I can help other people build um, better relationships with their spouse and with their children, I, then I feel like we're doing something that's important. I think everybody could get on board with that. hope so. <laughs> well, I think that we're looking in a world right now where people have, there's so many people that have so much money but feel very hollow on the inside. And um, they realize like money didn't solve all the problems. You know, it wasn't. It was nice to have the white picket fence and the couple cars in the garage and the, you know, all those things, but there was no soul that, that filled the home. It was a house, not a home. And uh, so uh, what I'm hearing is like your purpose was to become mother and the idea of your being a mother, the role of a mother was to teach your children how to build their own family. Correct. And in, in yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to pass on whatever you have. Yeah. Well, that, that it's interesting you said that because, you know, I'll share a little bit of story. I shared it the other night when I was doing the seminar for the Women's Federation for World Peace on a little bit of nutrition and weight loss stuff. Um, I can't remember how many weeks it was into our coaching relationship that, um, you know, and, and correct me if, you know, if the details are a little bit fuzzy, but Preston, uh, what Preston for anybody who's listening is my youngest brother. And he was stopping home really quick, but he wasn't able to stay and spend time at the house because right. You were, you're quarantined for COVID. Right. And you were really, really frustrated because like, what well, in your words, when you said you felt like a bad mom, correct? Yes. Right. When, and what, what was it that you felt like, why did you feel like a bad mom? Because I wasn't able to uh, care for him, um, you know, the way I wanted to. I mean, normally I'm very physical. I like to hug him. I like to be close. And I felt, I felt like, um, you know, okay, just bring that stuff here to the doorstep and then go away. 
you know, like I, I like to give, you know, it's actually some people are like that. We feel more comfortable giving than receiving. And um, the fact that I felt like I had nothing to give him because I was stuck at home doing nothing. Um, that was very frustrating to, to feel like I had nothing to give. Which great, by the way, for anybody else out there, like that gave me really amazing context into our own relationship, knowing, right, you just defined that everybody has a different love language. And Jay and I discussed that on a different show. But my follow up to that was, hey, mom, did you ever ask Preston what he thinks it is that he needs from you for you to be a good mom? How do you respond to that? Um, I tried to talk to him, but I think he just told me like, uh, we're fine. We're fine. Just leave me alone. Everything's okay or whatever. Basically didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> He's of course at a different place in his own life. He's in his what mid to late twenties and you know, at a transitionary place in his life. But I remember the look you gave me and you're like, Oh, I've never thought about that. And I think I then reminded you like a few weeks before, right? Cause we were, we were closing down the gym for, during that time and making that transition. What did I ask you uh, exactly? I can't remember what it was. It was, it was kind of like an agreement that I needed. Like I was like, mom, I'm kind of going through this, this tough spot. What did I say? There was something to the extent of like, can you. I can't remember which instance you're talking about. I think it was like, can you just stay the course with the nutrition stuff that we've been working on? It was, oh yes. Yes. And that, that was very, that was very important that I, I, I really remember that part because I was losing it. I mean, I've done different weight loss programs before and I can lose 50 pounds. I know I can lose it, but through different, uh, a different way, like the, um, the starvation kind of mode, you know, like what you just say, I, I, in six months, I'm going to lose 50 pounds and then, and then I'll be okay. But then afterwards, like you, you lost the weight, but you didn't change your habits. And with you, you were teaching me very slowly how to change my habits, which I'm so grateful for because it's been over six months. I've lost the weight and I'm keeping the habits. I'm not thinking about the weight every day. I'm just thinking about my habits. Right. Am I doing this habit? Am I doing that habit? And so forth. And then you call me and you said, Promise me, uh, I need you to do something for me. And right away, I thought, oh my God, now, now what? And then you said, um, promise me that you just, you know, going to stick to it, don't, don't stop. And that was a very important time because that was at the beginning of the, you know, the lockdown, there were people were staying and that was a really crucial time. I, I'd lost, I don't know, 15 pounds already. And I was kind of thinking, well, it's not bad. You know, I didn't, I didn't dream I was going to lose that much. And, um, and then, but because I made you that promise, then I took it more seriously and yeah, it, it was important. I'm grateful you, you asked me to do that. I felt like, okay, I have to hang in there for his sake. And then now I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for my own health, you know, because I'm doing the journaling like you, um, you recommended. And then every day I can assess myself. You know, like yesterday I wrote down, for instance, um, oh, I didn't have any vegetables today. Better do that tomorrow. You know, it's like yesterday I was thinking so much about protein, that I had protein. I had protein pancakes for dinner and who, who eats vegetables with pancakes, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I was going to top it with spinach. It sounded really weird. 
so I, I didn't, but I did my journal and I wrote down, oh, better exercise and, and, um, and eat some vegetables tomorrow if I want to keep on feeling balanced and healthy, you know, like I've been feeling, because that's something I'm coming to, to cherish. So, yes, I was, I was grateful for that time when you asked me um, to stick to it. Well, it was really there is that especially bringing context right and you know we'll talk a little more about like especially the relationship with the way how we coach for nutrition is also the same way with what you were discovering like developing these deep meaningful relationships that you were you were seeking what i then referenced and of course now bringing it back to the situation with preston i was like i communicated to me what i needed like what like being a good mom for me at that time, like I gave you context for how you could step up and like live within your, your values. Right. And it was that saying like, Hey mom, this is a, this is what I need, you know? And, and in my life, you know, that to me, that was like a great act of service of just like taking care of yourself. That was really, really important to me because I was struggling with like, there's about to be some hard things I'm going to go through. And to see you stay to that was really inspiring to me for what it's worth. Um, but what the conversation then led to as we kind of took that another step was, you know, I want to get through this moment right now, but why are we even doing this in the first place? And you really just brought it out really nicely is that, you know, your purpose is to raise children to build their own healthy families. And then I really asked you something of that extent, like, mom, what do we want? Like, what's the point in doing all this? And, you know, we started talking about like, hopefully, and what you said something like, you know, hopefully in the next couple of years, you're gonna have kids, right? And you wanting to be around for my, your grandkids, my children, and being there. And I think you said, you know, I just want to be able to teach them and give pass on the lessons I've learned, right? And that's where we anchored it to is like, mom, let's focus on that. Let's focus on where we're really going. Because that's really, you know, as you've discovered that as your as your true driving purpose in your life, from what it sounds like you were able to just say like, Oh, okay. I can just, I can still do the habits Caleb and I talked about. It's not a big deal. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I actually wanted to double back around on one of the statements you just made about when people feel like they're truly okay with themselves, right. If they feel like happy and free within themselves, that they're able to then go focus on things like world peace. Right. And I actually wrote that. I made, I'm going to quote myself. I came up with the other day. I was like, free people inspire peace. And I agree that with that a thousand percent. I'm not saying like in the, you know, the, the old school mentality of like in, in enslavement, though that was obviously terrible, but so many people are like trapped in their own victim mentality, right? They're, they don't feel free within themselves. They don't feel like they have autonomy over themselves. And how are you able to make the best decisions, not only for yourself, but then also for the next, like to, how can you really build empathy, right? And I don't know if you see this with other people. I see it all the time. We talked about it in the, the seminar I did the other night, the webinar. People are in such combative relationships, mostly because if you don't feel secure within yourself and you don't know who you are, you don't know what you can give and you don't know how to listen and be able to take feedback and listen from a place and be able to put yourself in their shoes because it's about protecting yourself as opposed to realizing you're already safe. You're already free. You're already, you've already won how do I help them also win, right? So that both can win. And, and that ultimately what I believe is, and I agree, world peace, right? Like that's, that's how you do it. I, 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 you know, I could, I, of course I said, you know, I'm sure everybody could get on board with that. I know from my perspective, which if you're ever wondering, if you did pass on some lessons that I think are very valuable, I too agree with you, mom. So good job. <laughs> very good, very good. 
Um, so, by the way, all your brother said was, I tried to ask him, says, mom, mom, we're good. We're good. And then he just left. So that, that was it. I, I said, what can I do for you? And then that was it. We're good. We're good. Don't worry. So apparently staying out of the way was what he needed. So sometimes maybe I think <laughs> you probably did. Did you listen to him and everything work out? Okay. By the way, I wanted to point out something, and I'm sure there's some parents, I don't know if some parents are listening to this, but uh, every parent has, who has teenagers will uh, agree with me. It's not that we don't want to talk to our teenagers. It's like they don't want to talk to us. I mean, I, I, I want to tell people out there, we all try. We've all tried to speak with our teenagers. We've all tried to understand them. We've all tried to ask them how they're feeling, to talk to us. And it seems like until they're 30 years old, they don't want to talk about that stuff. So mm. yeah. it's not that we're not trying. It's not that the parents are not trying. We're trying to help you feel your value. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to help you grow up. It's, uh, it seems there seem to be some kind of blocks there at that time. Well, that's okay. I mean, I mean if you study any developmental psychology you realize at a certain point that is actually part of the process right there's a there's a rejection of the norms and then you kind of because it's part of creating your own individuality right it's not about adopting it right they have it in like uh ramspringa with with the amish right they go off and they go completely defy and then you know they can go learn for themselves and they can come back of their own volition right which uh you know let's talk about like some of the general practices, like what, you know, for the first time you said, okay, we'll go back to the, the, when you joined the church. Right. I'm curious, like, what was that like for you? Like you made this commitment. You're like, okay, I'm going to give it a year. You said, I think that's what you said before. I'm going to give it a year. I'm going to see where it's mm. going to go. What, uh, like, what were you nervous about? Where did you have like a lot of doubts, a lot of questions, a lot of what, what was that experience like for you? And what was, what was the, like general practices that that you enlisted to be able to find this place where I think now you know your connection and you're feeling like you're in line with like the direction of your purpose what was that like for you okay well I mean there's definitely the the foundation of prayer you know it's like um praying you know try to pray try to make my relationship with God um making different conditions i mean realizing that just because one day you decide oh i'd like hey god I decided i want to believe in you um you know you have to really show um that you're sincere so it's not because you pray one time that you're going to get an answer right away and answers come to people in different ways so <clears throat> I did uh, something called like conditions where you make a condition, let's say a 40 day condition. And for 40 days, you would pray about the same thing or for the same thing. Or, and when I say pray for the same thing, um, to get an answer, you get an answer, the more, the broader your question is and, and the more selfless it is. Okay. The, I'm not talking about asking for 40 days, God, I need a new car. God, I need a new car. Or, you know, my dishwasher is broken. I need a new dishwasher. That, that's not going to come out of the sky like that. But if you ask questions like, um, you know, I have a really hard time loving such a person. 
you know, and that person rubs me the wrong way. How can you love that person? You know, that person's really annoying or something like that. Mm -hmm. So asking those kind of questions, then, then God can reach you and, and show you, you know, this is how I feel about that person. And when you see from God's viewpoint, you know, then your, your heart can expand and then you can start loving that person as well. I have uh, many of my, not many, but <laughs> some of my very good friends right now that I literally could not stand before. And, uh, and now they're some of my closest friends. So that, that's something. Um, also to, in terms of challenging. So it's called like, I, I would say two spiritual practices that were very helpful for me were called do the hardest thing and love the hardest person. So you know, if something is hard for you, then do it. Not obviously something legal and not wrong, you know, I mean, but if, if something is difficult that you have a, a hard time with that, then do that. And when you do that hardest thing, everything else, is kind of um, easier. And then same with love the hardest person. It's really easy to love the people you love. Okay. And the people that are comfortable with and so forth, it's harder to love somebody that rubs you the wrong way. So then you make effort in that relationship, you know, effort means you get to know them, you talk to them, you try to, I don't know, serve them, you know, there's a big emphasis on service, serving others, because when you do something for somebody, your heart opens to them. So these were like things that I, uh, that I learned and I was able to start relating uh, to a lot more people than I thought I could, you know, not just the nice people, the cool people, you know, some people and, and people are, are very stuck with that, you know, that's how people have cliques and classes and so forth. So I think that that's what was the most um, um, enlightening for me to realize that it was up to me to make relationships that I didn't have to wait for other people to change. I, I had to change my view of them in order to be able to love them. Does that make them perfect? Does that make them better? Not necessarily, but um, you know, you can start seeing them with more empathy. So maybe somebody is really, um, you know, loud and, uh, and boisterous or something like that. Maybe they never got attention and they need more attention. So you just give them attention and then they start, you know, opening up to you, something like that. And then before you know, you're good friends. It's like, oh, the boisterousness is not so annoying anymore. That kind of thing. You learn to so love this, I'm sorry. You love them for their flaws. Or yeah, exactly, exactly. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So. So what anyways. I'm just for general context, which I really, you know, I agree with literally 100% of what you just said, right? From a a, a place when people start shifting a place of their perspective to one of, of selflessness and a true selflessness and service, right? Asking you, not asking for stuff, but asking how you, can you give in a way that's meaningful, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. From, from a place of like, wow, this person is struggling. What can I really do to like uh, help them? I'll help them along on their path. Right. And these conditions, you know, to give context, like again, bringing it back to like our, 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 our nutrition habits, right? It's the same thing, right? Like you're not going to just, eat one salad one day and lose 50 pounds, right? You're not going to journal one day and um, uh, all of a sudden have all the enlightenments in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And for anybody who comes from more of an agnostic platform, I think what 
prayer or whatever some people call it like their meditation or some people just call it you know even like journaling when you're sitting there and you're asking yourself these questions i think of it really a lot of like mindfulness and it's it's taking yourself out of like the egocentric right the world revolves around me how and allows you to create space of like this is how i'm behaving i'm seeing how this person is behaving what can i do to bridge the gap correct me if i if i'm wrong on any of those things but that sounds like it kind of revolves around the same vein with what you were, yeah. your practices gave you from, from all of that. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So kind of like a, a lesson somebody could take is like, find a way to routinely gain perspective objectively, whether it's through prayer, meditation, journaling, something like call it your, your spiritual practice of connecting with yourself in a, on a higher purpose in a way. But the, that, go ahead. That's okay. In a way, that, the, the yeah. prayer part is, is, is the part where you get your own energy because there are many people that are like that, okay, who want to give, they want to love the world, they're giving, 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 and then they run dry. Okay, you run dry, and then when you run dry, you get resentful. You know, you get resentful because, like, what I've been giving, I've been so kind, I've been serving these people, I've done all this for them, blah, 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 and I, I'm not getting anything back because they kind of dried out. Well, so that's a you, really interesting perspective. It sounds like, cause you, you, you realized it, this, the, there was a, um, it was like a, but statement I'm giving, but I'm not getting anything return. I hear people giving, but not selflessly. I hear giving with expectation of I'm supposed to get there. I hear entitlement on the back end. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like people are giving without like truth. Like they're not, it's still, they're kind of caught up in their selfish nature. Well, I mean, not necessarily. It can be both. I mean, it can be just like simply that people like giving, 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 and then they, they run dry. And then, you know, you run dry, you just kind of like less energy. And then just like, I don't know, what am I doing this? What is it taking me kind of thing? And there are, of course, people that are just giving with the expectation of return. But it's not necessarily a bad thing because things in life are really go through give and take okay it's it's giving and receiving giving and receiving and that's where really life is meant to be you know we're not living um, without relationships so but the problem is if you give without having a source of love and, and energy and power if your energy and your love and your power comes from the other person then you then it doesn't work if, if it comes from god then you just give and you can, you know, you have to give and, and forget, you know, forget that you gave. And then, and then you feel like, oh, I mean, I've, I've done it. Like, um, sometimes I've given something to people and, <clears throat> you know, like the, the custom is like people will write a note or, you or something like that. Do I expect it? No. But is it common? Yes. Right. But when it doesn't happen, instead of feeling like, oh, I shouldn't have given that to that person or something like that. I'm thinking, I guess they never learned to do that or they didn't or, you know, it's just, I, I, I try not to take it personal. Actually, I don't take it personal because when I gave what I gave um, was like for their sake, I was happy to give it. It kind of completes the cycle, if you know what I mean. Um, you, you give something and then the person says, thank you. That makes you feel good, okay? When somebody appreciates what you give them. And that's not being selfish. That's, that's receiving back some joy from having given something to somebody. That's, that's a good thing. 
I think that um, I was focusing on is more the platform when we get stuck is, and you, I think you actually just walked through it. I think we're actually saying the same thing. Mm. It's that there was this, oh, I didn't get the thing back, but that wasn't the point. Like you ask yourself, no, I gave this because I gave it. And that was, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to help. I wanted to be of service. And that was perhaps the gift. And that was the, that was the reward I was supposed to receive from that, like the, the opportunity to give. So it sounds like we're, we're talking, or it sounds like we're actually very much on the same page. It just was a, perhaps my own lack of clarity on that one. But um, no, I agree with you. I agree with you 100% like on the, on the giving. And I think the practice, you're definitely leaning into this, that people you know, expect things to just happen, snap their fingers overnight, everything is okay, but they're not going to have that connection with whatever they're looking for. And I think you also talked a lot about in there with like, it kept circling back around to your purpose and giving in the right direction. I think that's super valuable. Um, I wanted to fast forward ahead then. So you, you found your connection, mm -hmm. you know, and this now leads to like the next portion, right? You, you found your connection and you found your purpose and now you become a, a mother. I want to now think about like, okay, what's been your biggest challenge in your life? And when we talked about this a little beforehand, we all got it. We both got a chuckle out of it. <laughs> My four biggest challenges. <laughs> Yeah. I, have, I have four children in case nobody knows <laughs> and i am the eldest of all four of those you're the oldest one you're the oldest one um i think my biggest challenge was to help and to this day i don't think that you guys really believe it that i can love each one of you i mean if I ask, I always joke and I say, I'm sure that if I ask my kids, every single one of them will say that I love one of the others more than I love them. And that was really, I hear you laughing. And that was really painful. You know, it, I was, I tried so hard. I remember the day before Amy was born and you were two years old. I mean, yeah, you turned two and she was born the next day. And I remember thinking, how am I going to be able to love another child the way I love him? I love him so much. I don't know if I have enough love to love that other child. I was really worried. And then she came and to my great amazement, I could love her, you know, and I, and I adored her, you know, and um, then I had a third one and I was pretty sure by then that I could love each child independently and just as much. Now you guys had a hard time seeing that, <laughs> especially you, you were so jealous. Um, <laughs> you were, you were. I mean, the first day your father brought you to the hospital, the woman next to me in the, in the hospital room, she kept saying to you, oh, look, there's your little sister here. What do you think? And you never looked at her. You pointed at me and you said, that's my mommy. That's my mommy. <laughs> And you, you refused to look at your sister. So that was, oh my God, we're on some kind of path here. Um, I, I know you love her now, but anyway, so that was, that was the hard part is to help you guys understand that you're unique and that you each love differently, equally, differently. I, I don't know, you know, if you say equally, I don't know, but di differently and yeah, equally. I mean, heaven forbid, it's more love for one than the other. Um, that was, that was a big challenge, especially by the time Josh was born and you were really jealous of him. 
And I was worried, how am I going to have any time for a third child? I'm so busy with the others. And, and then fortunately, Preston was born. And I think, I, I mean, I'm joking, but it's kind of true. I think Preston was born because God wanted to show you you could love somebody. Brutal. <laughs> <Because>, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but when, when Preston was born, you were seven years old and you could love him. Suddenly you loved that baby. The other two were in the way, but that baby, you could love him. And of course, you know, let's make it clear. Now you love all your siblings. But growing up, it was, um, it was a challenge for me to try to give you all enough attention and, and enough love. And I wasn't trying to, the, the way I wanted to raise you was, you're the oldest one, therefore I put more trust in you. And I was trying to raise you more vertically, like you, Caleb, love your sister and Amy, you love your brother, you know, like down like that so that everybody would have gotten some love. If I love you, you love the next one. But if I love you and you don't love the next one, then I'm stuck. I have to love everybody kind of thing. Not that I don't want to love everybody. I don't know if it makes sense. But anyways, um, I, I relied heavily on you to be the example. So I think... Uh, now we're getting good juicy stuff. I, uh, I think, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It must have been very hard to have so many, uh, such a responsibility and such, um, I just say such a burden put on your shoulders that to be the good older brother that was going to do everything right to show the example for his siblings. So I'm, I'm sorry for the burden that must have been. I've never heard you say that. I'm getting a little emotional. So if people hear some tears, it's actually me. Um, I you know, you brought it up earlier when we were really discussing this is us rebelling, right. And giving context under, you know, I'm, and I've done my own psychological evaluations. I'm classic eldest child, like feel very responsible for a lot of things. I know how I felt when I rebelled against you, but I've never really asked you. And this is probably one of my deepest reflections in all of this. Um, and also uh, something I want to apologize for is that I've never really apologized for hurting you in some way when I did rebel, because I didn't understand. I was at a place in my life where I knew there was something that I didn't want, didn't know how to communicate it in a way that all sides could win. I thought I was being responsible, you know, when I look back at it, because of course, I think everybody thinks they're the hero of their own life, right? Because I'm, I'm right. How could anybody else be right over me? Because that doesn't protect my ego. Um, you know, so here everybody can hear it. And especially anybody who's ever been at the gym or Lexi especially knows this. I don't like admitting when I was wrong. Lexi really knows this. And of course, I know you love Lexi. Sometimes I wonder if you, if the family loves Lexi more than they love me because she is pretty exceptional. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. And I would probably agree with you. It's like, you know what? You're right. She's pretty. We love you. We love you for finding her and bringing her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But she's like, whenever I've had to say sorry, she just watches me like literally like it's like I'm ripping teeth out of my own head. She's like, I really appreciate that because I know you hate that. You hate admitting when you're wrong and you really hate having to say sorry. I will do it. But I, I will say it right now. I'm sorry for putting you through those things and uh, never properly asking how are you feeling during those times. Um, so I'd like to get your perspective on the Caleb Nelson rebellion and how it affected you and we can fill in any other context for anybody who doesn't know. Um, I would just love to hear. 
what was your or do you want me to set the, do you want me to set the set the uh the platform yeah go ahead go ahead i'm curious so i'll go first i know why i rebelled so it was about 17 and for anybody who doesn't know growing up like pre-marital relationships were not allowed right i was not allowed to have a girlfriend anything along those lines in the house i don't think i heard anybody in our homes use the word sex until i was 27 26 somewhere around there and i was like what i think amy said it just flippantly one day and i was like are we cool with this now apparently like mom and dad don't react when the words are said in the house and so you know i've had my own complexes that i've worked through around those things and i've had my own issues with stuff but at 17 there was a girl that i had met and I wanted to date and you know I talked with both of you guys I sat both of you down and said like hey I don't agree with some of these things I'm gonna do like this is something I'm gonna do and you both said like okay well there's gonna be if you if you do this like there's gonna be consequence right well lo and behold I followed through on it and then we kind of went our own separate ways um but I'd love to hear which is interesting because a lot of you know your fears of being alone and your fears of like intimacy now i'm really i mean now i'm really having a lot of understanding from my vantage point but i'm really appreciating just learning where you came from because i'm like wow i felt a lot of those same things wow that's i know how that felt that's that must have sucked and you know especially whatever you traveling across the the world not just like across the state like i could always come home i'm just three hours away four hours away you're literally across an ocean and the other side of the of a country, you were didn't have like home right right there for you. What was going on for you at that time? You know, I'm 17. I'm the eldest of four kids. I particularly remember how you said afterwards. You know, like you're doing this, but like don't be around the, your siblings. Like I don't want them to like be affected by you and your decisions and all that stuff. So you know, I tried my best, quote unquote, to be as responsible and respectful of that as possible. But it was, you know, it was different. Like we had. There was definitely some clashing there at that moment. What was that like for you to have me rebel? It was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking. By the way, I appreciate uh, your apology and everything you say. Um, It was heartbreaking because it was the beginning of all of your rebelling and uh, rejecting. I mean, I understand from, you know, the religious teachings that I, I studied and that I cherish that um, people have a portion of responsibility and that you have to grow up, you know, it's your, you have the freedom to make choices, right or wrong. And as a parent, even though you know your child has to do that on their own, you can't help but want to protect them, mm. you know. So that's what all my, um, you know, strictness, whatever, everything I forbade you from doing was just out of the deep desire to protect you. I don't want you to to be hurt. You know, I don't want your heart broken. I don't want you to hurt anybody else either, you know, spiritually. And so when you did, first of all, honestly, I was impressed because you did talk to us first. You know, I thought that was very respectful. You did talk to us first and uh, wanted to tell us, you know, that that was your intention. So I was kind of really impressed by that, actually. But at the same time, I was heartbroken because, you know, you were the first one. And then, oh, God knows what Amy was doing at the time and and the others. But um, 
I, I had this dream and, and I, I could see that I was not um, able to realize my dream of the family that I was looking for without you guys, um, you know, following that. And I felt very um, inadequate in, um, you know, teaching you. I mean, would I do the same thing again if I was the same? Probably because I really believed in, and I still do, I really believe that sexual purity is um, very important. And that, I mean, it's not to judge anybody, you know, who goes around and sleeps or whatever, but it's... <clears throat> it's really important because when you give of yourself, you know, most precious part, that's, uh, it, it's very important. So you don't want to squander that. You don't want to waste that. You'd want to, to, to give it and to share that with somebody that's very special. I mean, sex is great just at the right time with the right person. So yeah, it, it was a tough time. And then the years that followed, you know, with you, your siblings were, were very tough. Um, yeah it, it was tough <laughs> let me ask but now i'm i'm grateful now because i mean yeah anyways that's it for now it's <laughs> okay what was what was the turning point maybe i'll share my turning point for when i kind of came back because i'm interested you know i don't i and especially whenever i ever talk to this you know some things i regret i was so angry when i was younger so angry and also so repressed because I didn't know how to communicate worth a lick. So that meant a lot to me that you guys, you, I don't know how dad felt about it, but like that you, now I'm hearing this and I'm like, oh, you were impressed that I even sat down and did this because I thought like that was a responsible thing. And what do I know? You know, uh, I wish I had more empathy at the time. Um, and I wish I had more understanding. Maybe I wish I took longer to speak about what was going on, but, um, I know growing up, I always feeling like I had to be the standard. I never knew how to connect, you know, and as you speak about the jealousy thing, I think I always struggled with being close because I didn't know how to navigate that line. And I've struggled in business. I've struggled in relationships with not knowing how to make everything, everything all on top of it. Like, how do I hold people accountable and also like make them part of the family and make them feel like close and connected. Like that's, I just blur the lines. I've never known how to not do it ever since I like broke free of that. And I, I really struggled. I struggled with intimacy with like really allowing myself to be real. I focused a lot on like trying to control other people, especially in my intimate relationships with my girlfriends and, and, and all that. Um, especially when I first took over as like a business owner, I struggled with controlling people cause I didn't want like, the the clients to 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 get hurt or whatever so i'm hearing and all those things i'm like wow i did the same thing like shoot i should have asked for some guidance probably <laughs> but i also know that one of the things that i i truly regret and you know over the past year or two actually probably three i can't remember when i went out to california and i met with and i went to see amy on a trip that was probably the spurring of when things started to change where I really wanted to like be close. I didn't know that I like in another relationship, I was always super distant and she was like, and towards the end, she was like, I didn't know that you wanted me to help you bridge the gap. 
And Lexi was very instrumental in me. You know, I think I remember when you actually like started to really like her, all of a sudden you realize like I was calling home almost, I think maybe weekly or biweekly, which, you know, I wouldn't call home for three, four five months at a time regularly. And you're like, he's calling home again. It wasn't just a fluke accident. And I was like, <laughs> I think that's where that gave it a place, but it made me reflect like there's a previous relationship that, you know, I'd done nothing but paint the picture of like, I wanted nothing to do with my family just because I was so cold. I was so focused on work. I was so focused on putting up this like idea of success that people would just come to me because I'm so successful. And then I, you know, with probably three years ago, I started bridging the gap, but, um, you know, I talked with you the other day and this, you know, this might, I might get emotional because I get to talk every time I get to talk about this moment it was a big turning point in my life. So, you know, when dad almost died a few years ago with his, his bout with cancer and then thereafter with a stroke, whatever, I remember going down, I kind of was just like in a fog around it. And I said, to, I've told you the other day again, like the experience of like, I remember feeding him, I think it was yogurt or jello or mm-hmm. shit. I don't know what it was, but I remember looking at dad and he's looking back at me like a zombie. And I like, I'm looking in his eyes and I see like death. And I think I told you this, but like, I didn't see dad there. I saw me being dead on the inside because everything I'd done in my life, especially as you talked about earlier about like how people were giving, I was giving on such a superficial, meaningless level. Had I helped people? Yes. Had I gotten a tickle of people feeling like they'd gotten a little bit more? Sure but it was always about shining the surface and also propping myself up in the world about like Caleb is here. Caleb feels powerful. Caleb feel like he's the man and people are going to worship him for being the example of this is what we're supposed to do. And in that moment, like I find, and I was actually really stagnant in my world before that. I was really feeling really lost with the business. The business was at a dead standstill. I was really, really struggling. Then this got dropped in my lap. Of course, me feeling like a victim at the moment. And it just struck me so deeply. I wasn't, I didn't know what to do. And I had not pursued like any real self-help at a time. I remember you and dad had wanted to send me to therapy. I think when I was like fifth grade or something like that. When I was like really, you know, whatever I was, I was just angry and I refused of course, but I remember, (laughs) well, you know, you guys were willing to, you know, and I, I should always, I always say this is like, for whatever it was, as angry as I was at the church and the bringing the strict rules and all this, like, I never didn't know that you and dad loved me. Never didn't know that. And I think that's what, I just didn't understand it. I didn't have context. I didn't have depth to it. I hadn't felt pain enough to realize like love is something that endures through hard times. And it took something like that. And after going through some of that and like, then I started exploring, I started going to therapy. I've gotten, I've spent more money on coaches and other things like that to break so many of my own beliefs, meditation groups, um, basically going out and confronting my fears. But it was that moment where I was like, wow, I think I need to go back and reach out to my family. I think I need to reconnect. I need to actually, and I've always felt this. I felt like there was a burden for me to bring the family together. I don't know why, but I did. And I can't really remember where I'm going with it, but like that was a big turning point for me to realize like I need to put some of these grudges and some of these things behind me if I'm going to ever build anything meaningful with my mom and and with my dad, you know. I didn't dad didn't I didn't have like a 
touchy-feely warm relationship but i knew dad loved me like the, i remember the most distinct moment dad ever said he loved me was when he was asking about whether or not you guys wanted to send me a therapy it was like do you think we do this and he like i think it might be the only time he saw him cry he like held me i get emotional to the day he just held me and said i love you i just i'm just crying and uh yeah, that sticks with me and dad worked a lot he was always like he worked so hard probably where i get a lot of my influence on my work ethic but you know seeing all these things i look at and i'll give a little shout out to um one of my very great friends colin um colin smith he was my freshman year roommate i, I couldn't understand he and his father have this like really beautiful relationship and i was actually like crying at, at his bachelor party which was like there and i'm talking with his father and him and it's like saying how amazing this was I'm like how, and i'm asking like i asked his father too like how do you guys have this i don't i don't get this i don't understand it and this they just had this really open and honest communication i realized i never really made myself vulnerable with anybody in the family it was always just caleb puts everybody at arm's length and, and to this day, you know, I think I, I think I told that. Hopefully, I've told them appropriately. Is like how appreciative I am of his perseverance, you know, to survive that moment to give me this glimpse of like, shit, son, you better get your shit straight because this is not what, what you've been doing. This is not what life's all about. He gave me clarity in such a scary, terrifying. It scared me sober on this path to say like weight loss is cool helping people look better naked is cool but what's the thing that that person who gets that what is that serving and then when i ask you that question where's this going mom i want to take care of the kids and when i get them deeper contacts of like i want to help my kids have a better family which will in turn hopefully help them have a better family and you know pass it down the line that's where i started to open myself up to my clients to everybody else and i'm so grateful for that and I'm so grateful because now I can have this type of conversation. Like, this is not for anybody who's ever wondering, and I can talk a lot now, clearly. This was not the key. Like, I won most change in high school because I didn't, like, I just didn't talk at all. I didn't have an opinion. Nobody knew. This is practiced and learned in, like, uncomfortable settings. And I'm sorry for domineering this portion of the content, but, like, I'm curious for you because that's what brought me back to, like, okay, something happened 10 years ago. Are you going to let this fall out with your parents to find the rest of your life? Are you going to always let that be an anchor point? Because don't you want your parents to be in there? What if I, Lexi and I have kids and I die? What if hell, what if Lexi and I die and the only people still alive is your mom and your dad and they're going to be the ones to like still take, hopefully, you know, be able to take care of them and get them across the line. Like how do you like connect them? And if I don't give them that, if I don't give them that connection, if I don't give them that love and I don't set them up for that success so that they could survive without me and I'm a real failure. And a lot of that fear of that is, has driven me. Again, I keep lagging, but what was the turning point for you, perhaps in us rebuilding our, wherever we were at with our fallout or like kind of letting, you know, me, at the end of the day, there's one disagreement, one argument was not the end of the world but definitely put a, 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 a gap between us. What was it for you that kind of uh, allowed you to kind of open the door and kind of continue with having the real conversation with me? Hmm. 
first of all, I'm, I'm really sorry. I didn't realize that you had, I mean, I knew you had some struggles, but because you, I mean, I wanted you to call more often, but I always thought, well, he's just living his life as a young man. You know, I was, uh, dad would just say, you know, he's fine. He's fine. So <laughs> I, I try not to worry when you went to college, quite frankly, I don't mean to say it in a bad way, but I still had three kids at home. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was still very busy, you know, as working, I had three kids and all the antics and everything. So I was just trusting that you were doing, you know, the right thing. And, you know, you were doing really well academically. And so again, I'm, I'm really sorry that you had more struggles than I realized you, you had. And for the record, thank you, Lexi, over and over and over for getting him to call me. <laughs> I know many times he would call and I'd go, is Lexi right there? Uh-huh. Did she tell you to call? Yes. Thank you, Lexi. <laughs> so that's very nice. Um, I mean, I, my hope and my dream was always to, to talk more with you and to have a deeper relationship. It's just kind of, you know, the same way it's like with Preston right now. It's like, you know, how are you doing? You know, I felt like no matter what I said or didn't say that I would just get turned down. So, you know, your father's infinite wisdom is like, oh, don't worry, don't worry, let it be kind of thing, you know. <laughs> but I'm just so grateful that you decided to, um, you know, be more part of the family. I mean, the last few years, when I think about all the times, even if it wasn't always completely smooth, all the times that, um, you know, I've been able to be with all my children and the counterparts, you know, spouses, whatever. Uh, to me, they're very precious. So even though it's not the family that I dreamt of, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I'm just really grateful for every one of all of you guys, the eight of you. And, and grateful that we can be together and grateful that everybody makes effort to to get along and to reach out. I mean, you know, some of you get along with others better than others and more naturally kind of thing. But the fact that you four siblings um, are really bonded, you know, and sometimes actually it's kind of funny to me, like if you the four of you unite against me and dad or something, I, I mean, actually I get a tickle out of it. <laughs> It's like, even if you all disagree with me, at least you're all in agreement together. So I think that's great. I love that. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier, you know, I, I couldn't be happier. And for the record, we've always been very proud of you. Um, many of your struggles you talk about now, I don't think we knew it as deep. And when you were in high school, I thought you were doing great. I thought, you know, you were straight A student and and, and doing well aesthetically and you know I didn't I'm sorry I didn't realize all the hell you were going through well as I've said before I uh probably one of my biggest moments with all these things was I was at that meditation group leaving it and it's tilt it's very telling and he just so bl I was speaking ill of my past and he just says like you're gonna have to get over that and I don't know what triggered the rest of it but I was blaming, I was blaming my past for all the bad things that were happening to me. I was just so pissed off. This is why this is the problem now. This is why this, and this is not realizing at the same time, 
if I'm going to blame all the bad things, I also start blaming all the good things, right? And one of the things I'm, you know, as you say that, the first thing that came to mind about my siblings and I all rallying together, you know, we all, for what, no matter what, like we're okay doing it by ourselves if it's the right thing. If it's the, if it truly rubs against our values, we won't back down. There's nothing, there's resiliency within that. We'd rather, I think we all love to collaborate far more. We like to like work together, but we'd rather do the right thing than just go with the crowd because it's not the popular thing. Um, and I think that definitely comes from both you and dad, obviously. Dad, especially, you know, dad says it quietly. You're a little more boisterous about your, your difference in opinion, but, um, and it's okay. And I probably got more of those qualities from you. Um, and it's a good thing, right? I, I'm, I've had plenty of people say this, Caleb, just you keep talking. I'm like, my mom talks a lot too. I wonder where I got it from. You know, that's, that's okay. You know, some people struggle to like open up and do the thing. Um, I want to say something about your dad. Yeah. Um, your dad's an amazing person. I mean, many times I've admired him for doing the right thing, not because it's just the right thing to do and not um, not because anybody knows or anything. And even sometimes, you know, I would, I wasn't even encouraging him in that direction, but he would be doing the right thing. And then I, I would have to say, oh, yes, let's do that because that's the right thing to do. That's a selfless thing to do. He's a very selfless person. So I, um, I admire him a lot for that. I will say dad has done some hard things and he, I, I respect him a lot for that. So, um, I'm, I'm absolutely in agreement with, with you there. Um, we've covered a lot of ground today. We've covered a lot of ground today and I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit emotionally tapped right now. Um, I, I always love to leave people with like a, some actionable steps looking forward. And I love to get like your perspective, you know, we're in a great place and I think we are, I'm really happy where our relationship is. I feel, um, I feel very grateful. I feel like I have a lot more wisdom. I'm glad that I've actually learned how to ask for help. You know, I still remember the first time I ever asked for your advice. You took like a five minute reprieve. Like it was after a breakup and I was like, mom, I feel lost. And then you're, you're I need, I could use some advice right now. You literally said the words, I need a minute. Because <laughs> you were kind of shell shocked. That's probably what, 10 years ago now? Maybe. I, I was so shocked. I thought I didn't think I would ever hear those words out of your mouth. You know, what should I do? And I'm thinking, I don't know. What can I tell him? You know, I didn't want to blow it because I thought he might not, never ask me again. So I have to be careful what I say. For what it's worth probably some of the most sound advice. I call it the banana peel story. It was about being able to accept somebody for little things. And I'll share the banana peel story. Uh, oh, I can share it now. It, it well, was, you could have on Debbie on the show. I'll gladly have, you know, I will have, I will have, okay, tell, have her tell this story. Absolutely. She'll probably say a lot better than I, but you know, I still use it to this day in terms of like when I'm having a moment, I'm asking myself, is this a real, um, there's a, there's a passage, actually it was the passage that bridged the gap for Jason and I, I don't know if you, there was a social media post I put out in January or right before my birthday. And I read this and he had read this back in Albany, the Albany days when like we were probably at our peak. It's a little passage called problem or inconvenience. I think that's exactly what it is, but that's kind of the, the, the gist of it. And it's about this man who survived the Holocaust and he's listening to this 
basically this brat this, that he's just like whining about the food at this place that they're working being the same thing for a few days and he's asked problem or inconvenience. And, you know, your, your thing about the banana peel is like, is it worth ending a relationship over a banana peel that's being left out? And again, that story will be said better on another time when I have the appropriate guest on for it. But, you know, it really stuck to me and that's what bridged the gap with, with Jay. It was like, we had a thing there were some issues don't get me wrong and they're pretty severe but is that a real problem like is this what is this what's really not worth it in life and the same thing with you know when dad i thought he was going to die is all these little inconveniences and these disagreements i have with my family are they really problems no dad staring death in the face that's a problem everything else we can work on it and to that effect i'm really grateful that i've done some of the hard things like i've you know, first I uh, patched things up with, I started patching things up with my sister and then with Josh, you know, I felt a lot of guilt there. And Preston, you know, he's my baby brother. I still work on him. I still think a lot about the times that he came up here and I spent, he spent a month living with me back, what, 10, that is definitely 10, 12 years ago now. Um, but I went off on a tangent, of course, but I would love to leave our listeners right now with some words of wisdom of something, you know, if somebody's stuck in their life right now, you know, and they're looking for their purpose, what do you recommend to somebody? Like, where do they start? What's the first step they can take right now to start working on going in the direction of their purpose? Let's pray about it, I guess, you know, just pray. What is my purpose? That would be the, the first thing. But um, in, in practical uh, advice, you know, like I was talking earlier, I was thinking, love the hardest person. Meaning, you know, many times people are stuck and like in the job, like for instance, you know, oh, I don't like this person. I don't like this coworker. I don't like my boss or something like that. And realistically, well, I mean, right now people are working from home, but, um, realistically you know the people you spend your life with they might not be the your family or the the most important people but they are because you spend so many hours with so i would say love the hardest person meaning try if there's somebody that really you have a hard time with try to love that person try to serve them try to see them from a different light so that when you do and, and make friends with them. Will they be your best friend? It doesn't have to be your best friend ever. You know, it's okay to have a best friend. You don't have to love everybody the same. But if there's somebody that really bothers you, then really try to break um, break the barrier in that relationship. Because when you do that, I've done that many times. And whenever I do that, I feel like such a great sense of freedom. And at the same time, I feel like love from God. Because I feel like, God is in pain from uh, all these broken relationships. We have broken relationship with God. People have broken relationship with each other. So when I am able to patch something like that, when I'm able to, to bridge something, I'm so impressed by you, by the way, reaching out to Jay and you patching that relationship. I, I have to do that towards Jay in all honesty, you know, because that, that, that full light between you and him was difficult. And, if you do something that hurts my son, that's difficult for my son, then it hurts me. So I have this little bit of a feeling towards him. So I recognize I have to look at him in a different light as well. And then, you know, give him a chance. You give him a chance, why not me? So that's full disclosure here. Mm -hmm. um, 
We talked about that the other night, right? Yeah, we did. So anyways, hi, sweetie. And your wife just walked by. Um, so anyways, that's, um, that, that, that's like a start, you know, because if you don't want, if you don't want to pray, if you're not a prayerful kind of person, but if you try to do something like that, then you will reach a new, um, a new level in your heart or something like that. You will find a new, your, your heart getting bigger. And that's the beginning of, you know, finding yourself, finding yourself. Yeah. Near connection. I think that's really powerful, by the way. I'm going to quote that this week. I don't know if it's your quote, but I'm going to use it and I'm going to make sure it's quote, you're properly accredited for it. Um, oh, goodness. It's great. Uh, I want, again, these are little things that you didn't know that you did instill with me. You know, whenever I'm at a tough time in my life, I really just go out there and I think like, I've always had this moment where like, if I decide that you're going to, I'm going to be friends with you, or if I see the hardest person walk through there, there's a lot of people who like will watch, you know, I'm in the weight loss business, of course, with a lot of things on the surface level, but on the surface level, and somebody sees a 350 pound client walk through the door, like shit, shit, this is going to be tough. I don't want to deal with them. They mostly want to deal with the person who's going to be easy, right? Oh, here's this athlete. They're super motivated. They grease the wheels. Everything's good. I look at that person and I go, um, that's going to be my next greatest testimonial because they probably had everybody give up on them. They probably never had anybody want to like sit and like really sit down and listen to what the real problem is. They hear the first thing and they run. They're scared of what really might be lying beneath some of those demons. So, you know, thank you for giving me that strength throughout time. Um, I want to give a secondary quote today because this has been how I came to my own uh, newfound respect for you as my beloved mother and your infinite strength as well. I think you don't give yourself enough credit. You're saying something the other day where you feel like you can't, you know, you struggle with being your own self-confident thing, but I disagree. I disagree. I believe you actually have a lot more strength and you've passed it on to myself and my wonderful siblings in different ways. And I think, you know, you're starting to see that come out. It just took a little longer than you, you thought to, to, to realize the fruits of the, some of those labors. Um, but this is a little quote from Confucius. Study the past if you would define the future. And that's exactly what I did. I looked at where you were at, and I really thought about, like, how did it come to be that you would feel like I needed to be strict on Caleb or we needed the kids to be this way? And it's like something else came from that. You really just love me so hard that you didn't know how not to do it the other way. And it just happened to work. Like you found the path for you, gave you clarity when you felt lost. I want to like, what if I could have my kids skip the line and not have to deal with any of the pain, you know, I'm actually very grateful for all the relationships I've had and, you know, the pains that I've gone through. I, I don't look at them as pain anymore. I look at them as um, it was learning how to love the hardest person at different times in my life. Um, and I'm forever grateful for each one of them. And I love all of those people in different ways. Um, and I tell Lexi all the time, because Lexi knows all about all my other relationships to the you know, emptieth detail. And I say all the time, if it wasn't for the love that they gave me in the way they did and for what they were able to teach me, whether I knew it or not, like I wouldn't be able to give Lexi the love she deserves now. I wouldn't be able to do the hard thing with her when she needs me to rise up and be a better man when she's asking me whether directly or indirectly asking me to be a better man for now or for our, you know, future potential family, you know, hopefully we're 
we can have kids in the next few years, which I know that gets you all tickled pink. So anybody who doesn't see a camera shot right now, my mom is grinning ear to ear. Um, but I want to again say thank you so much for, um, thank you one for loving me. Thank you two for giving me the opportunity to grow and sometimes find myself on my own. And I know that was difficult for you to not have your claws in there for a while. And while I was figuring my own shit out, forgive my French. Um, before we go, do you have any last thought that you'd love to share with anybody who's listening? Um, I think you said it all. It's, I, they're still listening. It's been a long time. And, and, um, no, it's wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Mom. And you, I'm, um, you thought this was going to be 20 minutes and you weren't going to be able to talk about anything. Th thank you. I'm, I'm deeply touched that you invited me. Thank you. I couldn't. I love you. I, I love you too. I could not have thought of a better guest. So my challenge to everybody this week is to reach out and go find a way to love the hardest person. If you have not throughout this season of forgiveness actually gone ahead and looked to patch up the past, you know, Jason was my hardest one. I had to find it like deep within my soul to go find that. That was hard. And the act of love, I had to reach out. I had to do the thing. And whether I thought it was fair or right or wrong, it didn't matter, but it was the right thing deep down because I knew. And to echo my mother's thoughts for everybody who's listening, she was right. You had to find a new place in your heart and your heart had to grow and you're not going to lose anything in the process. You're going to love more and you're going to learn and they're going to get more love. It, it multiplies. So you challenge this week. If you have been lazy, if you are still feeling stagnant, it's probably because you didn't take action on this very simple step, reach out in some way, shape or form to somebody you struggle with and find a way to love them, find a way to serve them on a way in a way that is, completely selfless and give them value in some way, shape or form. Maybe it's listening. Maybe it's taking them out to coffee and just saying, sorry, whatever it is. That's my challenge to you. Uh, I want to once finally say one more final time. Thank you, mom, for coming up on this, this little journey. You know, I knew I was onto something when I, you like, you know, for what it's worth, your, your, your structured rigidness has also challenged me and you're probably one of my strongest critics. So anybody who ever thinks like, Oh, she's just telling him like, it's all fine. It's all good. Cause it's her, his mom. No, my mom is also my greatest critic that she will. There is no minced words in the Nelson household. I know where you stand on something at all times. So when I said this podcast was going to be called naked Sunday, or when I had my first shirts that said, look better naked on. And you're like, that's a good idea. I was like, all right, I might be onto something here. If even mom can be cool with it. So Again, thank you so much for coming on today. I love you, mom. This has been uh, yet another amazing step in our relationship. I'm looking forward to growing it continuously. Congratulations again on your hard work and your, I mean, every one of your friends says how amazing you are. You got a little shout out on your webinar, on the webinar the other night from everybody else. And you're, what is it, 40 pounds now that you're down? Mm -hmm. You're keeping it off and you look great. I'm proud of you. You're working your butt off. And that's inspiring to me. So keep on inspiring yourself and me and all of your friends and hopefully some more people. Um, everybody go out there, go hardest person. And uh, we look forward to touching base next week with you guys. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And please, if you do this, right, as let me change that. When you reach out to the hardest person, comment 
whether it's on our Instagram page or on my Facebook or anything, right? You can go to at Naked Sunday Podcast on Instagram. You can friend me on Facebook. It's Caleb Nelson. Uh, just put in the comments, what was your experience like? Because so many other people are afraid of taking the first step and you don't even realize how much that might inspire the other person who needed to see one other person do it and get that different type of context to realize like it's possible to do it. And if we can do that enough in abundance, that whole world peace thing, well, I think it can happen. So this is your host again, Leb signing off next week. Hopefully I have my boy Jay back on the podcast. Looking forward to have some more great conversations. Um, and uh, we'll close it out with your humble reminder to go ahead and free yourself. Much love, my friends.